Good morning. Um, you know why? I don't. I really don't really know where to begin because this is just overwhelming to me. You know, this is this is quite an environment. Um, I want you all to really uh, sit back and, and really appreciate how unique this is. I was just talking to Coach and, and just sitting around and observing the spirit, the energy, and just I'm in awe. I really am. Um, you know, thank you to the band. Uh, I really could have sat down and listened to a whole concert, but, but you know, I guess you guys want me to say a couple words. But, you know, this is um, when, I, when I got the invitation to come and, and be here, like I said, I had no idea what, what this environment was all about. Uh, I have four beautiful children, a beautiful wife, and, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm, my oldest is, is nine. She's, a, she's about to, she's in, just started fourth grade yesterday. And, you know, when you think about colleges and where you'd like for them to, uh, for them to be, um, this is definitely a place that I can really start to look and say, man, what an awesome place that, for my kids to be able to go to college. So I just want you to give yourself a round of applause for making this place such a unique place. I'm encouraged not only by your, uh, your spirit, but I'm also encouraged by you just being here today. Um, when I was 20 years old, I had no idea that it was possible to live a life worth pleasing to God. Uh, and it's just encouraging to me to see that you are young men and women of God in a stage of your life where a lot of people would say, you know, it's time to live your life, it's time to party, it's time to figure it out on your own, and it's time to explore. And I had no idea when I was 20 years old that this was possible to say I love the Lord and live that life because I didn't think it was cool. And little did I know this is cool. This is what it's all about. This is what life is about, what you're doing right now. And, you know, it, it reminds me of, you know, when I was, when I was back in, in, uh, in my first three years in Detroit, and I was struggling. I was, you know, I got drafted by the Detroit Pistons. Anybody, I heard some Michigan, <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. But before then, I was about 15 years old, grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Anybody here from Kentucky? All right, a couple. Grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and if you know anything about Kentucky, it's, it, you know, football is getting a little bit better, but Kentucky was really known as a basketball hotbed. And uh, I stood up before my church when I was 15 years old and professed my belief in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And at that time in my life, all I knew was that Jesus Christ died, rose again for my sins. I didn't know what that really meant in terms of a daily life, though. And as I shared some, you know, I shared some time, you know, with the, with the, uh, the men's basketball team last night, we had a chance to talk, and what I was shared with them is it's, it's almost like I was on the basketball team or I was on the team, but I was, had no idea what what our goals were, what our purpose was, what our plans, what our strategies were. I didn't know what the playbook 
really was. And the Bible says you can have a form of godliness, but denying its power. And that's what my life was like. My life was like that for about nine years, ten years after I had been saved. And that, again, that's why my heart is so encouraged right here to see you and saying, you know what? I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking this seriously. I didn't really know what that meant when I was 20 years old. But then when I got to, what happened to me was uh, I got to a place where I had to really ask myself. And I imagine that a lot of you here today are kind of like, it reminds me of the story of Joseph. When Joseph was about 17, 18, and he got these dreams and he got these visions. And he didn't know quite how to handle them. He was so... He was so enthusiastic, he went and shared him with everybody. But he had, a, he had a moment where he realized that, you know what, I'm called for something bigger. I'm so called for something greater. And I imagine a lot of you are in that situation today thinking about, you know what, I know that I'm supposed to be doing something for the Lord. And I'm not sure it may change. I'm not sure what it is, but you're probably thinking, what is that going to be for me? All I have to know, all I want to know is, how am I, what am I supposed to do with it? And you know, some, of, some of you may look and say, you know, I want to be a doctor. I spoke to a young journalist today who I was encouraged because what, what I didn't realize that was so unique about this, this, this setting is that all of you may go into different fields. You may do a lot of different things, whether it be sports, attorneys, doctors, lawyers, teachers, some of you may be theologians, pastors and ministers, but one thing you will all have, you will all have a foundation from the Word of God. That's the most important thing you could ever have in your life, is that foundation in the Word of God. So I was, I was not quite prepared for the life that I was about to lead when I entered into the NBA. You know, again, I was saved, but I wasn't quite prepared to make those decisions that I was called to make. And it took a cousin of mine, it took a cousin of mine who sat down with me one day, and he really helped me to understand. I just got drafted, I mean, not drafted, but I just signed a deal with the New York Knicks. I'd been in Detroit. <laughs> I'd been in Detroit for three years, and it was kind of an overwhelming uh, turn of events for me. I just gotten married, just signed to play for the New York Knicks, and this was a time, you know, um, when, for those basketball fans, when the Knicks and the Bulls were in a intense rivalries, and the Indiana Pacers, and you know Patrick Ewing, who I must give honor to today because he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame today. So, if, can, can you please give it up for Patrick Ewing? Um, when I got to New York, I had a, I had a cousin of mine <laughs> who had incident, who had just hap happened to move to New York. A distant cousin and didn't really know that well, actually. But he offered to help out and he offered to kind of help me make the, me and my wife make the transition. And we would ride and, and spend a lot of time together talking. And one day he had a conversation with me and challenged me spiritually. But he did it in a way that was not judgmental, 
but he made me think about my, my much bigger purpose. He made me think about why God had allowed me to be in the biggest media market in the world and play for the New York Knicks. All my life, I had just dreamed about playing basketball and, and being the best basketball player I could be. I never thought about the true purpose of what God had really called me to do. And I'll tell you right now, standing here is, an, is actually a testimony because God showed me, he showed me, he said, Alan, you're going to be, this game is going to bring you to speaking to thousands and thousands of people to tell them about me. So this is a testimony right now in itself, me even standing here today. Many of you, like I said, or if you have dreams, have visions, and have things that God is showing you, take those very seriously. Take them very seriously because God does not show you something that he's not going to do. He doesn't give you a promise he's not going to fulfill. Now, we don't know when and how and things you have to go through, but he's going to do it. But the one thing that I remember is that I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready. I wasn't quite ready to hear that, hear, hear that challenge that my cousin challenged me. But I listened. And the reason I listened is because of his character of the consistency with which he lived his life. And that's kind of one of the things I want to, you know, just encourage you to do today is talk about some things that will have lasting impact. When you go, to your, go back to your homes, when you go across the world, when you move forward in your careers, whatever that is, those things that have lasting impact, they're going to be your character and your daily example of your life. And that's going to follow up with the words that you speak. And then you're going to have to move into discipleship. See, when I, when I heard that conversation from him, the reason I listened is because there were times when we would, I would try to take my cousin out to the clubs and we'd, we'd try to have a good time. And, and he would be over there in the corner just, you know, he'd be with us. But I could tell he wasn't in a, in a, comfortable. And then that made me uncomfortable. So when he came to me and spoke to me about God's true purpose for my life, I had to listen because I couldn't question his integrity. See, one of the things that really changed my life was a player, a teammate of mine named Charlie Ward. And for those of you who don't remember Charlie Ward, Charlie Ward was a... Heisman Trophy winner. Think about, think about this, a Heisman Trophy. Now, how, how hard that is to win the Heisman Trophy. And he ended up being a starting point guard on an NBA Finals basketball team. Okay. Extremely talented and gifted and driven. But the thing that stood out about Charlie the most was not his ability on the court or on the field. Charlie's impact was in a locker room, off the court settings. Charlie changed my life because he lived his life the way all of us as basketball players, especially in the NBA, would have liked to have lived their life. Charlie was extremely convicted. You know, he didn't curse. And there were times when, as I was continuing to try to grow, that I would call Charlie and, call, and, and, and talk to Charlie because 
I knew the way he was living his life. We would go on the road and go to different cities and and Charlie would be calling his wife and talking, he would be on the bus and say, I love you, baby, you know. And, and I'm like, man, not that I didn't love my wife, but man, I mean, I, I wanted, I was trying to get to the next city and hang out with, my, with the other teammates. But as I watched Charlie in his life, it was something that I admired and I respected. <clears throat> and quite honestly, I wanted. But it had to come to a point where I had to receive that. So my, and my encouragement is to you is that you're going to be in a lot of situations now in the future where people are going to watch you and they're going to look at your life. <clears throat> it's going to be something that they yearn for because they're going to see the consistency and they're going to see the character and they're going to see the integrity in your life. You don't, don't feel like you have to be perfect. Someone was told me one time, you can be so heavenly minded that you can be so, no earthly good. And one of the things that I respected about Charlie is that most people would look at our lives at that time and the NBA, being in the NBA and say, man, they have everything that anybody could, could ever want. And I, I, I get a chance to speak to a lot of young <coughs> men and women all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. And they say, man, What's it like to have money? What's it like to have a house? What's it like to have these things? And, um, and, and to me, you know, I, I look at them and I say, the, the reality is, if you have those things and you can't enjoy them, what is it really worth? If you cannot enjoy these things, what is it really worth? And the thing is, the most important thing that you can have as someone who's going to carry the word of God is your character, your example. Now look at, I look at, you know, an example of, of Genesis. You know, I, I love the story of Joseph as we're talking about Joseph. And Joseph, you know, as we know, has been sold into slavery. And one of the things that stuck out in Genesis chapter 39, verse 3, it said, that, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. And the thing that really stuck out to me is that even Joseph's master saw Joseph's connection to God. His master wanted to be like Joseph because he saw the favor that God had on him. Even his master yearns for what Joseph had. And that's going to be our character. But let me tell you something that also was cool. About that situation. Well, later on, we saw in verse 8, another thing happened. Joseph displayed his integrity. And we know that his master's wife was chasing after Joseph. The Bible said that Joseph was handsome. He was built. And, it's in the, and, and the Bible says that, that his master's wife followed him and pursued him. And look at what Joseph did. He said, but Joseph, but he refused her and said to his master's wife, he said, look, my master does not know what is, what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. How 
then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Now Joseph char Joseph's character was displayed and once your character is displayed and once people see the, the life that you live, you have to follow it up with how you speak. Once you live this life, and this is the one thing that I really had to learn, especially in my years as an NBA basketball player, is people are going to see your life and then they're going to ask you questions. It doesn't matter what occupation you are, what you're going to do. Once they see your life, that is going to attract, that's going to be attractive to them. We have to be attractive to the world. We can live in the world, but not of the world. But I think it's important that we understand it's okay to be attractive to the world. Because they want to see, they want to have what we have. And that's the spirit of God. But after that, we have to follow up with a timely word. We have to speak truth. And we have to speak life. And that's what Joseph did. Once his character was displayed, he did something very strong and powerful. But it wasn't about what he did. It was also about what he said. And I think that's the one thing that we got to understand. We got to be willing. We got to be willing and ready and prepared to speak those words. Because our actions are going to provide that platform. Actions are going to want to give us an opportunity, but we have to be able to present truth. And that's what Jesus did. See, everything, everything that Jesus said, the reason we can bank on it and we can hold it so true is because of what he did. See, he completed and fulfilled everything on the cross. He did it. So every word that he says, we can bank on it. That's what we have to understand. He validated it. He didn't just go around healing people. He didn't go around healing, providing uh, relief to the poor. But he spoke to them. He gave them, a, he followed it up with a word. And that's what we have to be able to do. One thing that I've learned is that people, they want truth. They want truth. And there's been plenty of times, even during my career and after my career, when people will look at your life. They'll look at, you know, they'll look at, like I was saying about Charlie, they'll look at how you treat your wife. They'll look at how you respond to your coach. They'll look at how you respond when millions of people are criticizing you for maybe missing a shot or getting a certain amount of money. People are going to watch how you handle your situations. The way you respond to that may be the only scripture, the only Bible that they ever see. Your life, that may be it. What kind of word are you going to follow it up with? Are you going to speak life? Are you going to speak truth? And this is what people want. And lastly, what I'll say this, that after you've shown the kind of character after you've tried to display some integrity with your life and some consistency, and after you've been able to speak words of life and speak words of truth, now it's about leaving a spiritual legacy. What kind of legacy are you going to leave at that point? And I just heard 
you know, in the announcements that some of you may have an opportunity to mentor some inner city kids. You know, to me, when I was, again, when I was in college, I wasn't thinking about mentoring inner city kids. All I was thinking about was basketball. And I wasn't thinking about how I could pour into a, another younger basketball player. Even when I was at the Knicks, if you look at what Charlie did for me and, and, and you look at what a lot of players are doing, nowadays you see a lot of basketball mentors in sports. You see, Ray, I saw on uh, one of the TV shows, I saw Ray Lewis who was calling another young football player and encouraging him to stand in the scriptures. See, it's not about just our personal walk. We have to be able to leave a spiritual legacy. We have to be able to pass something down. If you look at Jesus and his disciples, you look at Paul and Timothy. And, and these are the things that, because if you don't pass, if you're not passing anything down, then you're holding everything to yourself. You don't want to be in a position where you're just holding everything to yourself. The way I look at it is like this. The moral fabric of our society is being stretched and is being worn down. And who's going to do something about it? And I look at that thread, I look at the thread of that moral fabric being the word of God. And I look at I look at you and I look at me and I look at all of us. We have to be that like that needle. We have to be that needle that, that's threading the word of God through this moral fabric that's being stretched and being worn down. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of restoration. So for us, I believe this is a huge responsibility and a huge opportunity. And that's why I was, I'm so, I was so excited to be able to have this opportunity. Because I'm standing in front of thousands and thousands of powerful young men and women in this generation who are taking this call very seriously. And don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun. But it's also a lot of work. In 1 Corinthians 4.12, the Bible says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. When we, carry, when we carry this, we have to take it very seriously. We have to be found faithful. Be found faithful. I thank you so much, and God bless you for, you know, just your time and, and your love. And I thank you. Hopefully I'll be able to come back again. Thank you so much. Thank you.